Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending April 16th, 2022. This week, Netflix can do no wrong. Hold on. I'm just receiving some breaking stock news. I'm Kim Hollis, impressed that this podcast has lasted longer than CNN Plus and Quibi combined. With me are Tim Brighty, writer and gamer, now measuring things in CNN Pluses. Oh, you just had a baby recently? How many CNN Pluses is it? <laughs> <laughs> also, David Mumpower, author of Disney Demystified and entertainment media analyst, and really looking forward to kicking back and watching some CNN Plus this weekend now that it's on Roku. I paid my $2.99 and I'm going to get my $2.99 worth before. <laughs> it dies <laughs> and the podcast is produced and edited by raul buriel who's looking for a new podcast for us to do well it was a good run folks now that streaming's over how does everyone feel about a podcast about knitting <laughs> are we even gonna have anything to talk about this episode nothing happened this week at all right i mean streaming's done it's done it's over it's over knit one pearl two <laughs> <laughs> This week in our deep dive, it's the end of the world. Netflix subscribers are down for the first time in over a decade and their stock price is crashing and streaming services are shutting down. What's going on? I didn't even know Netflix was on the blockchain, but we are definitely seeing some crypto type of stock movements right now. <laughs> bye. Bye. Yeah, it's cheaper than it's ever been in, in years. Obviously, it's a great deal right now, right? Not, nothing could possibly else could happen that could drive it down even further. Oh, boy. Look, at the beginning of the week, Variety actually tweeted out that this upcoming week would be a make or break moment for some companies as they reported their Q1 subscriber numbers. I thought that this was altogether too grim an assessment. Really? Make or break? Surely a single bad quarter wasn't going to be enough to crush a streaming service like, I don't know, AMC Plus, Discovery Plus, even Peacock. Little did I know that it would be Netflix, the mother of all streaming services, that would be on the brink. Some bullet points here. Netflix had forecasted an increase of 2.5 million subscribers for the first quarter of 2022. Analysts actually were expecting 2.7 million. And if you don't make the analyst expectations, they punish you. Netflix reported a loss, a loss of 200,000 subscribers. They didn't make 2.7. They didn't make 2.5. They lost 200,000 subscribers. And now they expect another decline of 2 million more subscribers in the second quarter. Netflix is blaming increased competition, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because they had to cut off Netflix in Russia. And that looks like it's about 700,000 subscribers right there. And of course, password sharing. And Netflix stock, which was already down to about $350 a share from a high of about $700 a share last November promptly dropped to nearly $200 a share. So about a third of its price disappeared in the moment that they announced that subscriber loss. And it stayed at that price since. How many shares could I get for like 20 bucks right now? 
So, but the, th- the thing that's remarkable is, yeah, they went from, okay, we think we're going to add 2.5 million and then they end up losing 200,000, which there, there is probably, you know, plausible explanation. The, the, the Russia thing is actually probably bigger than you, than you think. Uh, but to jump to the next quarter be saying, okay, now we're, we're going to lose to another 2 million. Is that just them just hedging their bet or, or do they, do they know what's, what's happening? So the market is ridiculous as it is because all the only news Wall Street responds to is exponential growth every single quarter, which is obviously not realistic or sustainable. So there is some of this is ridiculous, but it is it is big news that the panic is over overwrought. We are making making jokes about it, but I don't think it's the end, it's not the end of the world. It's just you know, hey, that, there are some things Netflix does have to adjust. Yeah, I want to stress the fact that they would have still been up this quarter if not for Russia invading the Ukraine and forcing a lot of corporations to do the right thing by cutting off Russian access. They'd be up five hundred thousand right now. If that had happened, I just don't think we would see such a disastrous. I, I don't even know what to describe this as crash as we've seen it is absolutely cratered and i believe that that's all because the headline for the first time in 10 years netflix is down now that's actually a misleading title and it's one we've discussed in the past when we go back to 2020 netflix actually experienced subscriber losses in the u.s in canada during one of its fiscal quarters however the difference is they had enough growth in other parts of the world where they were up overall so we've kind of known for a while that we've reached critical mass on netflix having all the subscribers it can get in north america and now tim I just think they found the pain point where $20 is the most people are going to pay and anything over that, that's the point where everybody's like, you know what, Netflix has become too expensive. Am I wrong? Yeah, they, they can't go that that round dollar. 20 bucks is the highest like I can see anyone in paying. And you're only paying that much if you really want to watch a lot of things in, you know, ultra 4K, HD, you know, the, the top of the line video quality. And most people don't have a television that can sustain that, especially most people watch Netflix on, you know, a tablet or their phone or their or, or their computer. So they're they're overpaying. The other plans would, would, would do fine. So so that, that that's part of it. But yeah, they can't go higher than than 20 bucks for the, the most expensive plan. That's where people will certainly draw draw the line. There's that that just that price point in, in mind that they shouldn't cost more than, than a, cer- a certain amount. Though people are are up in arms over uh, that too, where we know ads are coming to, to Netflix. I don't think you're going to get them if you're paying that 20 buck tier though. Well, that's one of the issues that Netflix has, and that's price confusion, because ultimately for anyone who subscribes to Netflix, it's Netflix. Netflix is Netflix. It's Netflix. It's just different versions of it, different tiers of quality, as you pointed out, Tim. And when people realize it's been in the conversation for the last week now, just how much Netflix costs, whether you're paying for that high quality ultra 4K or one of the other ones, people are starting to realize, wow, Netflix is really expensive compared Mm -hmm. to these other streaming services. And that's honestly a conversation Netflix didn't want anyone to have. So so having that awareness is worrisome. And so one thing that Netflix did, as you pointed out, is in their call, they started talking about how, I guess we need to walk back our promise that we were never going to have ads. They're talking about a lower priced tier that would have ads as a way of doing two things. One, bringing in additional subscribers who weren't willing to pay these higher prices for Netflix. And two, because ads is an additional revenue stream. There are concerns with ads 
first and foremost, Netflix original content just isn't formatted for ads. So anyone who's ever watched a streaming service with ads and suddenly finds a commercial that shows up right in the middle of somebody's conversation or an action scene is, is going to start experiencing that in Netflix as well. And that really breaks you out of that Netflix viewing mentality where you just binge, binge, binge. And now it's going to be binge, binge. Oh, ad. Yeah. Okay. So imagine you're watching, okay, what's the something everybody's seen that's that's iconic in the last year or so? Squid Game. Squid Game. You're watching that first episode of Squid Game and there's the big reveal that, yeah, the thing starts shooting all those people. And then you're like, oh my God, what's happening? And then an ad. Yeah, uh, that, it's going to take you right out of the moment because yeah, there is no unless they go through every single episode of every single show, there is no like where it's like okay at the, at the end, at this at the end of this scene, then we can we can put an ad before we go to the to the next scene. I, that sounds difficult, so they're just going to have ads at a certain you know certain intervals. I'm sure during during episodes, and it's going to be very very jarring and make a lot of people mad. Yeah, it's certainly anyone who has that ad experience is going to have an inferior experience to anyone who's paying the higher rates. This is where I think at this point, it, it really feels like an all hands on deck scenario for Netflix. Nothing's off the table. They have to try everything. And of course, the thing they said immediately was, we're going to try ads. I am not ruling out them, in fact, trying to maybe reduce their price because people have come to realize just how expensive Netflix is, even compared to premium streaming services like HBO Max. It's just too expensive for what people are getting. And when it's one button to unsubscribe, it's not like cable where you had to go through this torturous process when you wanted to cancel cable. You can click a button and you are off Netflix and you stop paying that monthly rate. Netflix has to accept that maybe they simply have priced themselves out of a subscriber base. And even if it's like temporary promotional pricing, sign up for 12 months and you get a better rate or what have you, they need to simply concede that they have gone too high with these regular annual price increases. How many times are, were they going to raise those prices before finally they, they took a hit? And just to get back to something you pointed out earlier, Tim, did they see this coming? There's a school of thought right now that in the last quarter where in fact Netflix didn't meet their forecast subscriber numbers, that Netflix's numbers would have been worse if not for the fact that that was the quarter where they got a big boost from Squid Game. They might have shored up those failing subscriber numbers by the very fact that they got a lot of buzz from Squid Game, but they might have seen this coming. And so the question is, now that they're saying we're actually going to get 2 million subscribers less next mm -hmm. quarter, Netflix is all about data and they clearly are seeing the trends and right now their trends are all pointing down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. They they know discussion we you you guys had earlier in the week. They they know they know a lot. They have a lot of data. They are very data driven. So yeah, they're they've read the the digital version of the tea leaves and they're saying, yeah, you thought this was bad. Wait till next quarter when we lose two million. I'm very interested to see what happens. And there are some very interesting you know panic buttons being hit by by Netflix in certain departments. And I think there's other things that they could that that they could change as well. That's a good opportunity then to bring up the fact that Netflix immediately after. After announcing this really terrible quarter, announced that they were going to shutter their animation department. Truth is, I mean, not a lot of people think about it, but as a company that produces original animated content, Netflix has an animation studio, or at least had, and a lot of shows that were uh, that were coming up now have been canceled. Chief among them, honestly, uh, something that people had been waiting for for a long time was a uh, animated series based on the comic book Bone that had been in the works forever. Mm -hmm. And now that is canceled. It's never going to happen. Hopefully, maybe Jeff Smith, the creator of Bone, gets to take it somewhere else. But that is heartbreaking to a lot of people. 
Absolutely. That's a great book. I know I love it. And I know my sister's kids love it. They're not so young of kids anymore, but they read it when they were kids. And yeah, that's really a bummer. What was their most popular animated show? I know they've made the ratings periodically, including uh, this week, actually, I think. But I can't think of anything uh, off the top of my head that that is just there. That is a big nope. animated hit right now. Nothing I'd be able to think of off the top of my head. A lot of their animated hits were actually acquired, which really right. takes us into another perilous spot for Netflix, where right now a lot of their content is acquired and where Netflix says that one of their biggest threats is competition. The truth is a lot of the stuff that shows up on Netflix is either second run Coco Melon episodes in that, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a hit. It is a smash hit, but the right. truth is Coco Melon is original on YouTube and second run on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So if the folks who own Coco Melon, who we know right now is Meyer and Staggs, decide to take their show elsewhere, they can, and Netflix can't do anything about it. And another hit that's on Netflix is Boss Baby, which is produced by DreamWorks Animation, which belongs to NBC Universal. The day NBC Universal decides they're going to take that over to Peacock, that's another hit to Netflix. Netflix suffers because a lot of their content is not Netflix originals. And I don't blame them for shuttering their animation studio because all their hits were not out of their animation studio. They belong to somebody else. So we should talk about the elephant in the living room right now, which is just last week. We were talking about the giddy prospects of Netflix, wherein at least one analyst thought they could triple their subscriber numbers over the next few years. Have that we person really, still have a job. <laughs> <laughs> have we really turned around on Netflix that much in one week because of one bad earnings report? Or actually, I, I should clarify that. The earnings were great for Netflix because of one list of subscriber numbers that came back to Earth. No, not at all. I, I think the assessment is accurate. And the assessment remains that there are 700 million people in the world today that pay for a subscription service. Of those 700 million people, 220 million of them pay for Netflix. Netflix, at least until this week, was the de facto streaming service. When you ask someone, what streaming service do you have? It was always Netflix and Netflix and Paramount Plus, Netflix and HBO Max, Netflix and Peacock. So the question is, how would Netflix be able to get to those other 500 million people out there who are paying for streaming services? That was and remains huge growth potential. But to get to them, they need to create content that becomes appealing to those people. There are 500 million people on earth right now who are paying for a subscription service that look at Netflix and say, that thing doesn't have anything for me. So what does Netflix do to convince those people? They need to create content for those people. And that means they they have to spend money to get those subscribers so that that makes Wall Street happy so that their subscriber growth increases and they get their stock price goes up so that they can spend more money. And it's this whole circular mentality. But yeah, they need more subscribers so they can create more content so they can get more subscribers so they can create more content. That growth is still there. The opportunity remains, but Netflix just is having trouble leveraging it. They they don't know how to break through to that really that juicy 500 million people out there. How do they get through to them? And lest we forget, this week it was announced that Warner Brothers Discovery would be shutting down CNN+. Plus. That was not $2.99 I spent well. <laughs> <laughs> Quibi lasted longer as we made this joke. Quibi! <laughs> Can you imagine if you left a job to work at CNN Plus 
and then it doesn't even last three weeks. Just how infuriating that must be that you were made all of these promises and then Zucker can't keep it in his pants. And because of that, he gets fired. There's no one supporting the project. Discovery comes in and they could care less about it. This entire turn of events is just next level infuriating. I I can't believe, I mean, I'm going to look back on this one day and go, boy, I was one of 25,000 people who subscribed to the CNN Plus. I know the reported number is 250,000, but honestly, I don't even believe that. I don't think they shut it down if it's 250,000. All credit to one of our listeners, Dan Klein, who said CNN Plus lasted one sixth of a quibby. <laughs> How many Scaramucci's is that? <laughs> I was going to make that joke too. <laughs> We knew to, that this was not a good idea where we were like, who is this for? This will not last. This may not make it through the end of the year. We didn't even realize it wouldn't make it till the end of the season. Yeah, it's not like this was particularly a surprise. And to their credit, Warner Brothers Discovery shutting down CNN Plus as soon as they did. They saw the writing at the mm-hmm. wall. They cut their losses quickly. I can imagine that they could have kept this service going for another six months and have it flail around and they could have spent a lot more money trying to prop it up. But it was clear that it serves no purpose beyond a lot of the same content or a lot of similar content exists on Discovery Plus. Fold that content into Discovery Plus, own it and say, look, you can get all this original CNN content on Discovery Plus now. All right. Hey, Tim, why don't you take us into the ratings? Okay. So we have the Nielsen screening ratings for Monday, March 21st to Sunday, March 27th, 2022. And I made two bold predictions last week for the originals chart, one of which was correct and one of which was incredibly wrong. So I I, I did say, though, I was not 100% certain if anything new or in big was going to be hitting the, the ratings that would upend the chart. And yeah, I forgot about Bridgerton. Uh, whoops. Uh, yeah, <laughs> 2.5 billion minutes. No. For the as the second season arrived on the 24th, 16 episodes total. I hope that helps your subscriber numbers, Netflix. <laughs> That's three days, again, guys, for 2.5 billion minutes for the, the new season of Bridgerton. Shonda Rhimes cannot be stopped. And this didn't even have, uh, you know, the, the breakout guy from it, really, Reggie John Page. He's not in this at all, right? That is correct. It focuses on a different male character from the first season. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's very good. And uh, we might hit that mythical, do we hit dare hit that mythical 4 billion next week with a start like this? Or did everyone get a, we'll the, out, of the, out of the their system in the first weekend? Yeah, I wonder if it'll be front loaded, so to speak. Yeah, we we did see a really big number when, when the first season hit. We've now lasted long enough for both seasons of Bridgerton that, as doing the rating segment. So that's exciting. Because we're like, it was like, oh, this we had no idea the show was so popular because it, all the seasons predate the podcast. But we, we knew Bridgerton was going to be huge uh, for once we saw saw the the first season numbers so yeah i'm not i'm not surprised at this number and yeah i do expect more next week uh and i have may have more to say about this at the the end of this this segment uh but in second was my other prediction which was absolutely right because this is is it cake uh 1.1 billion minutes for its eight episode season so very good yeah it's just goofy yell at your tv watching i i watched it when i was at my parents prior to the by having my surgery a couple weeks ago and, and I was actually setting up my uh the Roku that my mom had purchased and she's like uh, you know we're loading all the streaming services that that we have on on there and she's like is there anything good on Netflix and, and I, I just threw an episode of is it cake on and yeah she she was absolutely mesmerized by it and she was yes yeah like it's like how is that cake it has to be number four no I think it's three which one do you think it is it, it is impressive you it's can't like help how, it you, yes you you will be drawn into into this show at least for one 
one episode as 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 silly as it is so yes i i can't wait to for there to be be more because with numbers like this and given uh netflix now probably operating on a budget they're going to find more cheap content and this certainly fits the bill i'm fascinated by the mere existence of this because when that instagram feed showed up i was the evangelist telling other people you have to look at this site that's not a shoe that's mm-hmm. a cake. That's a cake. Yes. Cake. And people were just looking at me like, you're insane. There's nothing entertaining about this. <laughs> well, I'm not really that interested in the TV show, but suddenly it is a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> They make it work. They they found some fun personalities, and I'm sure there'll be be more if they if they continue it. So yeah, it's 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 you cannot help but be be drawn in by how how fascinating these these creations are. In third, we have The Last Kingdom. That was first for the last couple of weeks. Still a good number, 976 million minutes for 46 episodes total. Inventing Anna, still here in fourth, 558 million minutes. Uh, in fifth, the show I thought would be number one f- before I realized Bridgerton existed, uh, Bad Vegan, uh, but down to 429 million minutes. That's actually a big drop for its first full week. I wonder if it just got itself kneecapped by Bridgerton. People watched that instead of, uh, instead of Bad Vegan. Because usually we don't see a... Unless it's extremely niche content, which I don't think this this was. This seemed to have some uh, you know viralness to it. Uh, we don't see drops in the first four weeks. I remember you guys taught me a long time ago when it comes to box office that there is a relatively infinite number of people who will go to the movies if there are good movies at the theater. Yes. And so like one good movie at the box office will not cannibalize from another movie if there's a second good movie at the theater. I don't think it's the same for streaming, particularly when there is a finite number of subscribers to a streaming service and a limited number of hours in a week to watch content. So I feel very much like you're saying, Tim, that ultimately people will have to make these choices between show A and show B. And it looks like in this case, people have made that choice to watch one show over the other and that is impacting the success of another show especially with netflix cracking down on subscription sharing too exactly i guess i went there okay <laughs> to be fair that hasn't happened yet They're yes just- i know i know it's but every, everyone everyone's already like think they, they they think it has even though it's being tested in other countries with much smaller markets it has not happened in the u.s yet do not panic right um, but the whole thing reminds me of the irregulars that sherlock holmes supernatural gothic spinoff that uh it started okay and then the full week it got worse and then it was canceled within like 15 days i know that this isn't something that would be renewed anyway but uh the same premise applies here and i think just to a larger point we're probably going to see a lot of netflix shows shows suddenly find themselves without futures based on recent events don't you think yeah you you might see the they, i wonder if they just go back to the the two seasons and and, and out model unless unless it hits you know a certain you know threshold because then that 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 was always the the reason why they did it was because typically the way the contracts are are written by the time you get to the third season you got to pay everyone more uh, and six pieces of her that's been here for a few weeks, 365 million minutes for eight episodes. Ozark back up to seven, 312 million minutes. Still get a few weeks away from getting the second half of the final season where it will shoot back up. In eighth, the only non-Netflix show this week, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel from Amazon Prime, still here, 285 million minutes for 34 episodes. There, That was four seasons now, right? Yes, and we still haven't watched the final episode yet. We <laughs> suck. <laughs> In, in ninth, I mentioned earlier, there was an animated show on the original list this week, and this is Human Resources, 10 episodes, 270 million minutes. This is a spinoff of Big Mouth, I believe. Yes. 
Okay. And so this is definitely very adult animated, right? Oh, yes. And we okay. have seen Big Mouth on the charts a few yes, times. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. So this isn't that surprising, but nope, it probably is the fact that this is the rare Netflix animated show that's probably in good shape right now. Yeah. One of the characters is a talking penis. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information, Raul. This is actually its first full week. It premiered on the 18th, so it did take a jump up uh, to make the original start this week with 270 million minutes. Probably disappear from here, but yeah, uh, the the shows from Amazon, like Big Mouth, was not here long either. I think they had the same thing. The the initial release did three day, uh, three days didn't do much, but the, it was here for the for the full week and then and then fell off. So it's got its you know small but devoted following. And wrapping up originals in 10th is Love Is Blind, 248 million minutes for 25 episodes total. So in movies, I guess we have a mild upset because for the first time since like, oh, I don't know, mid-December, the top movie is not from Disney+. Plus. Is that no. even possible? Is that, is that, I know. No. Is it, was, this, was this even allowed? I know, because it's the Atom Project, surprisingly enough, uh, right at 1.2 billion minutes. So that that actually is holding very well because this has been around for, for like three weeks now. And that kid just found out he's going to be the new Percy Jackson. So he is having a really good month. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually impressed at the the, the staying power of, of this. But I guess I guess I shouldn't be because as we've been joking, Ryan Reynolds, you know, king of streaming media. <laughs> it's a generally stagnant chart this week on the movies. It's, it's actually most movies we've, we've seen before. Uh, Turning Red is down to second, 977 million minutes. Uh, Encanto still in third, 719 million minutes. That's still a lot of eyeballs watching Disney Plus, the same movies <laughs> over and over again. Still no word if that uh, any sing, uh, there's a sing-along uh, impact with Encanto. Uh, fourth is Rescued by Ruby, that down to 311 million minutes. Black Crab, 310 million minutes. Both We saw both those last week. Also, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Hello, Liam Neeson, 289 million minutes. Cheaper by the Dozen from Disney Plus, 278 million minutes in seventh. Uh, Deep Water, still here. This one from Hulu, 229 million minutes. And... Uh, something new in ninth, Windfall from Netflix, 199 million minutes. This one actually premiered on the 18th. So this is the first full week of it being available. Thriller. Yeah, the suspense thriller where Jason Siegel plays the guy who breaks into the rich person's house to exact some kind of revenge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. We did. Yeah, we did. We did talk about it that week. Uh, Lily Collins, uh, Jesse Plemons. Okay. That's might might as well give great, Jesse but... Plemons a, a, a nomination right then and there. <laughs> yes he just collects them at this point <laughs> uh not a great number but it made it so i i guess i i don't i have to know what wonder if they're if just they should just go bigger with their movies or just stop making them all, all together because you're either going to get you know for for every adam project and red notice you get like you know seven windfalls and that <laughs> not that they're in trouble for money it's just that that subscriber number thing is is gonna you know bug them for for a while so it's a it's it's a catch twenty two because you don't know if something's going to be good until you've made it. You try to make good movies. You're right. not intentionally going no, out no there. No one's making intentionally making bad movies, right? Yes. And to be fair, I'd say in terms of quality, I'd say that Windfall is probably a better quality movie than The Adam Project. But The Adam Project is something that has clicked with viewers a lot more. It is more of a populist movie. It appeals to the crowds a lot more than a thriller about a couple who's being held at gunpoint by someone who's broken into their house. And that's to say nothing, of course, of the movies that didn't chart at all. These are at least two movies that they produced that did chart. Mm-hmm. Right. We Most of it's acquired foreign content, but the, yeah, there's a bunch of movies every week that we, we talk about on what's new and we never talk about them again. 
And actually, we wrap up movies with Moana in 10th, back on the list, 185 million minutes. So in Acquired, it is nine shows we've seen before, uh, led by NCIS, 752 million minutes. I think next week, we'll get the Cocoa Melon effect, because we'll finally get those new episodes, because that will consist of the start of start of April, next week's chart week. Get ready, kids. Yay. Yay. But we do have one oddball one in fifth, and this is something called Call of the Midwife. 415 million minutes for 81 episodes. This is a BBC drama. Yeah, this one plays regularly on PBS, so I wonder if maybe it has just jumped to the streaming service now. Yeah, that's actually very solid. More episodes than I would imagine for a British series I'd not really heard of. So take that, Downton Abbey. <laughs> but now you have to wonder... If so, you know, we we've talked about how we're we're getting closer and closer to that second half of Ozark uh, arriving. We know that in about a month now, the first half of season four of Stranger Things will arrive, and then five weeks later will be the the second half. Is there any chance they take one of their a show they know will be big and decide to? release it week by week would that make people mad or would it be is it a way for them to be like okay well you got me netflix i will stay subscribed to the service for you know the the two months rather than uh, as you release each episode rather than the one month or people say screw that i'm not going to watch it all or will they just wait till the whole thing's out and binge it then i have very strong opinions about that and that goes back to what i was saying about advertising Mm -hmm. netflix has an algorithm that is designed explicitly to keep people on Netflix and to give them a series to watch one episode per week does not play into that algorithm. They want someone to watch every single one of those episodes. The reason Criminal Minds and NCIS and other shows like that are always getting so many minutes viewed is because someone will start playing Criminal Minds in, I don't know, season four, episode 13, and will just run it for like six seasons nonstop. <laughs> and, well, and to break that habit in any way, shape or form, like releasing a series one episode a week or throwing ads in the middle of your viewership is actually going to probably reduce the number of people watching Netflix, not increase the number of people watching Netflix. Fair, fair enough. I do remain convinced that the split seasons is a happy accident that they discovered because of the pandemic and productions had to shut down. So I wonder if, you know, oh, we, we, we finished, we shot half the season. We couldn't do the second half because of COVID. And then later in you know 2020, or maybe even in 2021, when they could, they could resume it while well, Netflix decided, well, we'll, we'll put out the first chunk episodes. And then, you know, when you finish the, when we finish post-production on the second half, we'll put, we'll put those out. And now I wonder if they're just, that's the model for their, for most of their, their big shows. Cause we saw it with Ozark. It's going to happen with Stranger Things. I'm a little surprised they didn't, they didn't do it with Bridgerton, but I, I, I guess that's, that's the model they'll, that they'll go with rather than the episodic, which would cost me a nationwide freak out. All right. So that's uh, all I've got for this week. And I guess we're looking for that big number from Bridgerton for next week. In our green lights and cancellations this week, back in better days, Netflix announced they'd be renewing both Big Mouth through a seventh season and its spinoff Human Resources for a second season. So yeah, from the Nielsen ratings to this, took about five minutes in real time for you as a podcast listener. That's how long it took for us to confirm that Human Resources was a big enough hit to get renewed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's any threat to either of these shows, even if Netflix is shuttering their animation studio. These shows at least still get enough ratings that they're definitely going to be renewed almost indefinitely 
animation costs them very little compared to live action content. And their animation studio was much more focused towards children's animation content. In fact, one of the former producers of our beloved Gravity Falls was in charge of that animation studio that was clearly kitty stuff, big mouth, human resources. That's not kitty stuff. <laughs> right. Another animated show reportedly getting the green light from Netflix is Exploding Kittens, based on the game from cartoonist Matthew Enman. Tom Ellis and Lucy Liu voice God and the devil sent to Earth in the bodies of chunky house cats. Oh, I see what you did there, Netflix. Is Tom, <laughs> is Tom Ellis going to play the devil or God in this one? <laughs> and will he be shirtless? <laughs> I know it's animated. Shut up. <laughs> you've heard of the creator if you've not heard of the thing if you you know what the oatmeal is or you've probably seen it at some point as a facebook meme you, you that you scrolled past that someone posted on their page in disappointing news for multiple reasons frank langella has been fired from the netflix series the fall of the house of usher from mike flanagan after a misconduct investigation i think we can all agree that we love the work of Frank Langella to hear that yeah. he's now caught up in something like this. I expect this is probably the end of his career, particularly given how advanced in age he is. This is a terrible way for his career to end. But if the allegations are true, I mean, screw him. Yeah. In more disappointing news, F. Murray Abraham has announced that he will not be returning for season three of MythiQuest on Apple TV+. No! I know. No reason was given for this. He simply said he was not returning. And that's yeah. unfortunate. He was, I mean, the, the crazy character he played on that show was just fantastic. You wondered, not only did the character he play even know where he was, you wondered, you wondered if F. Mary Abraham thought, <laughs> knew <laughs> where he was. <laughs> it's true. It was, it's but true. it was so good. It was, he was, and you know, now he's the voice of Kanshu and Moon Knight. It's possible that they had decided that his character actually ran his course on the show. They they had a pretty lovely couple of episodes for him. And after what occurred at the end of season two, it is entirely possible that that is just the way they went. But it is disappointing. And Disney has been happy enough with their Proud Family reboot to renew it for a second season. I know that we predicted this ahead of time, but as I'm looking at the screen right now, it's currently trending in the top eight on Disney+. Plus. It is obviously a huge success for them. And while we're not surprised, it is wonderful news. As always, we finish up with what's been keeping us busy over the last week. And I have been able to watch both The Flight Attendant and Better Call Saul, both of which were fantastic for their first respective episodes of their seasons. I just continue to be in awe of Better Call Saul. It's a fantastic show. I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he does. And flight attendant, you know, you would think that it would be unrealistic, and maybe it is, that the main character would wind up in a crazy twisty situation again but here she is and they made it work and Kaylee Cuoco is fantastic in it and I I just strongly recommend the show still Tim how about you so after he retired from baseball and before he revealed himself to be a really terrible person do you know what Kurt Schilling actually did 
he <laughs> he actually made a video game studio that released exactly one game and and then they 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 went broke and, and dissolved uh but the game was called kingdoms of amalur reckoning and it's a action rpg that was released now about 10 years ago and i picked it up super cheap i think this one on uh gog rather than than steam and um it's fine i put a few hour, hours into it i wasn't blown away but i wasn't like i'm super bored i think you have to get a little further into it to get some character development and at least understand the lore the game has an interesting had an interesting journey because i believe at one point after the the studio closed the rights to the game were actually owned by the state of rhode island because of a tax break that the that this the studio got for you know settle, settling there to, to create the game uh but it was picked up by another studio who basically threw a coat of paint on it and, and re-released it a couple years ago and yeah it's it, it, it's all right it's it's definitely dated because it's 10 years old uh but it, it still still plays all right i will probably put a few more hours into it they actually i think even released a, a new dlc for it in the last year or two which is a little absurd for something that that old but yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that they went out of business because it's it wasn't wasn't anything earth shattering, but it was it was fine. Uh, but it was it was very funny that yes, this this game was essentially made by a company created by by Kurt Schilling, who is a as I said a terrible terrible person. Raul, how about you? So last week I wrapped up the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the latest season on Amazon Prime Video, and the show remains delightful. The period production is exquisite. It is beautiful to essentially be living through the late 50s, early 1960s in New York City. It's a visual feast, but the show is so Amy Sherman Palladino. Her strong female characters always seem to be self-destructive, and really it's no different here. Both Miriam and Susie are making choices and decisions which just seem really boneheaded, and it leaves me so frustrated. I expect it'll always spin into something positive, but I feel like the drama confronted by our characters is of their own making, and we get a lot less drama if they just made better choices. Still, this was, I feel, a a strong season for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It left us on a bit of a cliffhanger, not much of one, but it was a very satisfying ending to the season. And I'm really looking forward to where they go next season. And David, how about you? So obviously I agree with Kim about The Flight Attendant and Better Call Saul. There is a couple from season one of Better Call Saul. Without doing spoilers, it's obvious they love those two as a duo. And they just seem so joyful over an opportunity to bring them back on the show. It just, there was a happiness to it. As for the flight attendant, the conceit of the first season was that she was seeing a dead guy. And by seeing, I don't mean dating, although they had been dating. After he died, she would still interact with him because she wasn't well in the head. And I wondered whether they would bring that conceit back this year and they have in a modified fashion that i really really like i have high hopes for what's going to happen the rest of the season and let me just say the lead character's best friend and her boyfriend are spectacular together absolutely spectacular she does not want to be in a committed relationship whatsoever and yet she is drawn to him and he is such an upbeat optimistic person which she is not at all and the dynamic between them is off the charts and finally we also watched moon knight episode 1-4 which i guess is a direct sequel to mulholland drive i don't know why they got david <laughs> in the mcu but 
I did not take enough LSD before I watched the episode to appreciate the way I could have. If you are going to turn it on, maybe get some Pink Floyd, drop some acid, watch it that way. It's the weirdest thing on television in recent memory by a lot. And I have no idea where they're going with it. And I'm honestly not sure I liked it. And I'm going to withhold judgment until I figure out what they're doing. Streaming into the void does not support taking illicit drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. <laughs>